0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: This is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Jiglet, jiglet, what a race! Always be Mickey on the outside. Always
2: be Mickey.
3: They're off and it is on. And betting line has taken the lead.
2: Two, two, boom. Just
1: like that! You're tuned in to Harness Racing's fastest 90 minutes post time with Mike and Mike. With co-hosts Mike Carter. Believe in the spirit? Do you believe in miracles? And Mike Boses. Smoking Gun, Shaman Hall. Production, Smoking Gun is flying. Here comes Smoking Gun! I don't
0: know! That just happened! That just happened!
3: It's another Thursday morning of host time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America, Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich. And while Mike Bozich is not here, I am on the heels of skipping town and headed down to beautiful, warm Florida, that's for sure. We got another uh, another uh, about, oh, I don't know, 27
1: or 28 hours, and I'm getting the heck away from this snow filled city. Well, I can tell you what, it was yesterday, Wednesday, February 21st. Here in this part of the country and it was 70 some degrees yesterday and actually it was about 70 degrees on Tuesday also it was just a beautiful beautiful day today a bit cooler the rain is back but nonetheless I'll tell you what you get a, a 70 75 degree day in uh, February it's something certainly to be thankful for record warmth across this area all across the state of Maryland all across the east coast basically over the last couple of days Mike
3: yeah definitely uh, we had the warm temperatures on Tuesday and uh, have to put a jacket back on yesterday I about wanted to cry uh, because I was enjoying the temperatures so much but uh, we'll be headed to sunny uh, Florida for the 2017 Dan Patch Awards coming up on a Sunday Mike we leave out tomorrow and uh, you can watch the Dan Patch Awards live on Facebook Live. Uh, Heather Wilder and Heather Vitelli will be doing the red carpet. Jason Settlemore and Roger Houston on the MC duties. But uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I'll tell you what, I can't wait for some fun in the sun. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, there's actually some great, great stuff going on um, at the Usual Banquet. Of course, it's going to start with the red carpet. And by the way, we had a a really good article in our newsletter last week. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, do so. Uh, Just a kind of a behind-the-scenes look at the Dan Patch Awards. You're going to have the uh, Mighty Heathers, Heather Vitale, along with Heather Wilder. They're going to be doing a lot of Facebook Live stuff, uh, interviewing people as they come in. They call it the red carpet. Uh, They'll be doing a lot of Facebook Live stuff, not only in the beginning. But obviously, during uh, the usual awards, and it's also going to be streamed live thanks to our good friends, uh, Weaver and Buscemi, so make sure you check them out as well. It's, I mean, it's just going to be a great, great time, a great event, uh, some very good people getting honored. We had a chance to interview a lot of them uh, over the past couple of weeks, and we're going to interview a few more today, Mike, on this show here as well. More on that in a moment. But, Mike, I, I know I've asked you for the last couple of weeks and you've kind of been giving me the tiptoe answer. You've kind of been beating around the bush a little bit. Is that speech ready? Of course, for those of you that don't know, Mike <laughs> is the 2017 Ushua Breakthrough Award winner. Now, I know that you've uh, – I think you've had, to, you've had to have gotten with Breakthrough Award winners in the past, like Gabe Pruitt, Allison Conte. I'm sure that they probably steered you in the right direction as far as speech making, though. No? Um, yes and no. I mean, I kind of asked about like, about how long it
3: was and things of that sort. I finally put the finishing touches on it, uh, on it this week. And, uh, so it's done, it's ready. And, uh, you know, hopefully everybody enjoys it. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot in there and I was able to pay homage, uh, even to, uh, my, uh, my old, my former workplace. Um, I made sure I paid homage to them and I also made sure I paid homage to Sam McKee. There's a little bit in there about him. And, uh, you know, the the one thing, Mike, uh, I remember from that day where I won, I remember Gabe Pruitt calling me and he said, you know, he said, I, I told him he was one of the first calls I got. And uh, he said, if uh, if our friend was still here, he would have been the first one. And uh, that that's for sure. That's the truth. And so
1: I paid homage to my friend and uh, good buddy Sam McKee as well. Good stuff, buddy. Good stuff. We're certainly looking forward to it. And we'll definitely catch some snippets and uh, play it on next Thursday's show. Uh, There's also going to be a silent auction at the Dan Patch Awards to benefit the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. uh, And that's going to be some, they've got some good, good stuff there. Make sure that uh, you check that out. That's all on the Ushua website, by the way, Ushua.net. Some of the great uh, things that you can get there. Also, uh, how about the Nature Boy, Ric Flair? You talk about harness racing racing, desperately trying to get somewhat involved into the mainstream, trying to make some new fans. And here you got a guy that is pretty much known by everybody. If you're a wrestling fan, if you're not a wrestling fan, Mike, pretty much everybody knows who the Nature Boy Ric Flair is.
3: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Everybody pretty much knows the woo and uh, just about everything like that. He's going to be doing a meet and greet from six to seven. That's going to be a lot of fun to see uh, just off to the red carpet. And, uh, you know, it's just going to be an all around good time an all around good show. We've got two days of um, membership meetings and director meetings and things of that sort coming up on Saturday and Sunday. And uh, I'll tell you, I had to. I've had to do do a lot of reading over the last couple of days, but it's definitely, totally, totally, 100% worth it. And uh, you know what? I can't be. Uh, I can't be prouder to be part of a uh, such a great organization. And uh, so we're going to get down there. We'll have some fun, and uh, we'll see what happens. But Mike, we're also we might be partying. And we might start this party a little early tonight because our uh, our man foiled again. Uh, had a race basically written for him. No, I'm just kidding. He, no, <laughs> he no, entered no, a race. No no, no. No, 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 I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. No, 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 that's a total joke. He he actually, he drew uh, post three tonight, and uh, both of us have kind of looked at the program. I think, Mike, uh, he's probably going to be one of the favorites and uh, should be able to uh,
1: mask win number 100 tonight. Well, if you look two starts back, uh, and, and if you got the pro- program page in front of you, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Two starts back from post five against this same class. This horse, uh, you know, showed the typical foiled against speed, uh, battled at many parts of the mile, and just lost by head, battled gamely down the stretch. And as a matter of fact, if you watch the stretch run of that race, it looks like he's going to lose by two, three, or four lengths, and in the, in the uh, final margin of uh, the feet was only a head. But if you look at this race here tonight, I mean, you've got kept under wraps. Who has been facing a little bit tougher in three of his last four starts does get a big post improvement from post seven to post one. Obviously, no chance for post seven last time in the sloppy track. I think he is going to be a threat, but you have to think that with George Brennan, the minister of speed in the bike, Foiled again is going to go right to the top this time, and it's the 14 year olds to win or lose. I think he's going to be a pretty stout favorite. But you know, here's one of the things about it, and we do this inside handicapping a uh, bit not only here on this program but in our post times newsletter as well okay as far as a gambling point of view okay you know the sentimental pick is going to be foiled again you know that everybody is going to you know want that win ticket unfoiled again you know everybody's going to bet on foiled again in a horse like this in a lot of situations mike i'm strict. i'm talking strictly from a gambler's point of view if you're trying to make some money out there okay horses like this get over bet we see this time and time and time again so While we're all going to be rooting for Foiled again to get 100, this also could be a value player's dream in a lot of sense.
3: Yeah, definitely, depending on how the race sets up. And I haven't looked at the program uh, other than to see uh, who Foiled again was kind of facing. Um, You know, it's really going to be interesting to see what happens and what kind of drama comes from it. Because if he doesn't hit the board
1: and he's a big price, who knows what could happen. That's right, and uh, you know you've got this horse on, like I said, on the pylons, test under, uh, kept under wraps, test under wraps. <laughs> I just said to you, test, kept under wraps, uh, for a trainer Jeffrey Smith and a uh, driver Jordan Stratton, our good friend. This horse has got a big shot as well with that post improvement. We talked about it, but the, nonetheless, I mean, just you know, kind of eyeballing the program, I think it's kind of a two-horse race. I think Foiled Again has got a pretty good chance to get 100 tonight. But Mike, look at you know, and. I, we've talked about foiled again we did a a foiled again spread on our uh post times newsletter a couple of weeks back we did a nice timeline um we've covered foiled again pretty extensively throughout the two-year existence of this program but every time that i see foiled again in a program and every time i see the stats you know 99 wins 307 starts that whopping career total of 7.5 million dollars it always takes me i just always have to step back and just look at it for a second and go wow
3: definitely it's uh it, it's definitely a feat and you know that's that's one thing about him man he he's tough 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 as uh, john hernan uh, said uh, has said once uh, before he'll see it once again and you know it, it's just he, it's amazing how good of a racehorse foiled again is Uh, you know, yes, he may not be the same horse he always was, but that doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter one bit. He, he, he definitely, you know, in my opinion, he's uh, one of the greatest, if
1: not the greatest racehorse of all time. And I'll tell you what, to be 14 years old and to still lock horns with the upper condition level ranks on a consistent basis and perform rather well, as well as he's doing is uh, remarkable, remarkable, remarkable. So, we'll see if Foiled Again can get that 100th win tonight. Mike, let's get this show on the road, my friend. We've got some great guests here coming up on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. We're going to talk to a couple of award winners on this program. One of them's coming up in just a few moments. The Unsung Hero Award goes to Betty Holt. And uh, Mike, the Unsung Hero Award is always one of my favorite awards because usually the Unsung Hero is always putting together uh, a strong, solid work resume behind the scenes in the sport of harness racing. And it's always given the people that a lot of people may not know about but uh, today we're going to learn about this. somebody by the name of Betty Holt, somebody that works very, very hard. She is the executive director of the Harness Horse Breeders uh, of New York. So we're going to talk to her about her award and what exactly she does uh, behind the scenes in the sport of harness racing. Plus, the acting executive vice president of the Columbia Leaf Standard Bread Owners Association, Gina Maybe, will be joining us. Rosecroft has started again, Mike. They uh, just went on the day number two of their meet, and Gina's going to talk to us a little bit about that. Uh, uh, plus she's gonna she she's got some great ideas, Mike, to uh try to get uh, some more interest in Maryland, and uh, as far as harness racing is concerned, so we're, Gina's going to share some of those ideas with us coming up in just a few minutes, plus Mike, and I can't believe that this guy is making his post-time with Mike and Mike debut after the big year that that, uh, he has had. Bruce Trogden, the owner of Emerald Highland Farms, and of course gave us a great ride with uh, Blazing Britches and Fear the Dragon, and uh, Bruce is going to uh, join us and kind of, I think that's, those two great horses, I think time is, had a chance to settle in for Bruce. So we'll be able to get a good, good review and overview as Bruce takes a look back on those great, great horses. So we're going to talk to Bruce a little bit about that as well. So a great, great show. And when we come back, it's the 2017 Ushua Unsung Hero Award winner, Betty Holt. I'm most time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. <laughs>
2: At Bet America, we don't do promotions only for new players. As a regular player at BetAmerica.com, you can take advantage of several promotions each week. Go to BetAmerica.com slash extra and visit our promotions calendar and find out how you can get double wager reward points on our featured tracks. It's just another reason why it's time to play the BetAmerica way.
3: Have you checked out the new Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment? The Meadowlands features world-class harness racing every Friday and Saturday night beginning at 635. You can dine in Paint, a restaurant that combines tiered dining with amazing views of the racing from every seat in the house. After the races, stop by Victory Sports Bar and Club, where you can bring the action and vitality of all your favorite live sporting events to an upscale place. Victory boasts 40 HD TVs, including 11 big screens for your viewing pleasure. For more information on live racing or to book your reservation, call 201-THE-BIG-M or visit PlayMetalands.com.
1: New Vocations Resource Adoption Program. Retrain,
4: rehab, rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. Celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org.
3: We're back on this edition of Host Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich, and we're joined now by somebody I'm destined to see in Florida in just a couple of days, Miss Betty Holt. Betty, how are
5: you? I'm great. Thank you for uh, asking me to come on. I'm looking forward to it all week.
3: Well, Betty, I'll tell you, listen, I used to work in Western New York at Buffalo Raceway, and now living in Ohio. I know if I'm ready for some warm weather, I know you've got to be as well with the uh, the cold temperatures in New York.
5: Well, I can wait a little longer. I took my motorcycle out for a ride yesterday, so I'm good for at least a month. (laughs)
3: <laughs> well, there you go. Well, Betty, uh, I only got only had a couple of run-ins with you at Buffalo Raceway uh, during the Sire Stakes uh, circuit. Uh, talk to us a little bit about you know how you got into the business of harness racing and uh, how did the job with the New York Sire Stakes come around?
5: Um, well, I started working in my early twenties for Joe Garrity at the Little Farm in Kinderhook, New York, and I fell in love with the breed and i was there for 24 years i ended up leaving when he passed away and the farm was closed and i purchased a small farm in Schoharie, new york and i was on the board of the harness horse breeders and um, it just kind of evolved, evolved from there i became a board of directors and then i started working in the office part time and it just turned into the executive directorship over the years and i've been here about 10 years and Uh, Most people understand that we've had a contract with the New York Sire Stakes program for the last 50-plus years, and um, I love promoting the program. Um, We don't contract with them anymore, but we continue to promote the program and breeding in New York, and I just love it. It's a dream job.
1: Betty, Mike Bozich, you are the executive director, as you say, of the Harness Horse Breeders of uh, New York State. Tell us a little bit about uh, what the role is of the uh, Harness Horse Breeders.
5: Uh, well, again, for many years we administered the program, and now um, we're more of a membership-based um, organization. We do lobbying for the horsemen and the owners. Um, the last couple years we've gotten... A New York wholly owned bill passed, which allows for horses that are wholly owned by a New York resident to have preference, which is still in the working stages with um, the the gaming commission as far as the rules and regulations. We have finally been able to write New York Bread Races over the last couple years, which is a very successful program at Saratoga. Um, We um, do seminars. We do um, scholarship programs. We have also started an aftercare program for rescuing um, New York bred standard breads in need, um, and I can give you more details on that if you're interested.
1: Absolutely, yeah, rehoming. We've been, as a matter of fact, we have been talking about rehoming. We work a little bit with uh, New Vocations, and we have been constantly talking about how important it is to rehome our uh, standard bred uh, equine athletes. So, by all means, yeah, tell us what's going on with them.
5: Um, About three years ago, we talked to Morrisville College, Aaron um, Logan. I think it's Chantel now. I forget which. But anyway, we talked to Morrisville, and we started a program where we were asking the consigners to donate money to our, we call it an aftercare program, but it really is about getting the horses out of the kill pens. And the last two years, we've been getting about, between five and six thousand dollars and it doesn't seem like a whole lot but i can tell you from starting with when we we began this and with some help from our board of directors we have saved every single new york bread that we've been contacted about we have left no horse behind um some of them have been to the point where they have actually been euthanized but they have not been shipped um to kill and we're really proud of that fact it couldn't be done without the board of directors, obviously, and the breeders in New York who are willing to step up and be responsible. And um, it really isn't a lot of work. It's not a lot of money. But to have someone call, and they actually hope they're New York breads because they know that they're going to get support. So we're looking you know, down the road with working with um, the USTA that eventually there will be a, a permanent funding solution for this issue, but right now there is not.
3: Now, Betty, uh, you you talked a little bit about, you know, some of the New York Red races that have been written up at Saratoga. Does your department handle, um, or does your organization, they do thoroughbreds and standard breads as well?
5: No, we only do the standard breads
3: and and what's the what's kind of the breeding like up there uh now obviously it's been a couple years since uh since I've been uh through those parts and uh talk a little bit about that program and uh it seems to have really kind of shot off shot up excuse me shut up and take it off as of late uh with some of the big sires headed to new york
5: um well we have first off we have a great program I think that the um the health of the program is very good we have had a consistent um revenue stream and we do have some of the top stallions in the nation here in new york we would always like to see more of them but i think the consistency and the different opportunities uh, we have three tiers of racing obviously and now we've started the breeders award program for only resident horses which has been a huge boon for new york breeders because right now the averages um the breeders awards average about 18 percent of their sire stakes earnings which is a nice award obviously for the top horses it's huge and even for the smaller um, breeders it's you know it gives them enough money to go back and breed a mare again but i think it's the consistency and the different opportunities that are probably the most appealing to people and having eight races for two and three-year-olds. So you really don't have to go anywhere. You can stay right in New York and race all year.
1: Visiting with Betty Holm. Betty, from your vantage point uh, as the executive director of the Harness Horse Breeders of New York State, what are some of the challenges you think looking ahead that may face New York Harness Racing?
5: Um, obviously the casino um, issue we have a lot of competition we have standalone casinos which will could I shouldn't say will but it could ultimately affect our um, revenue stream because most of our money comes from the video lottery terminals at the racinos Um, and it seems like our numbers have dropped off the last few years, and I obviously it's happening nationally. Um, so that's I don't know that that's a, a state issue. I think it's something that we all need to look at in the industry, do everything we can to help increase the numbers. I don't really know what that is, but it is something that we seriously need to talk about, and the sooner the better. But um, obviously, with the shorter of horses, we are missing. We're going to lose racing days, so. Consolidating or shortening up some of our, season, our um, racing um, seasons at each track may be a solution so that we don't end up canceling races. But I think that's something, again, it's happening industry wide.
1: All right. Well, Betty, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, but we do have one final question before we let you go. Obviously you're going to be headed down to Florida to accept this unsung hero award, uh, by, uh, Ushua. Tell us what it means to you on a personal level to uh, be recognized.
5: Um, well, I'm flabbergasted to be honest. I don't know that I do anything more than anyone else in the industry, but I think, The fact that we are here in New York and that we do um, try to take care of our horses and we do try to provide a future for them, and obviously we continue to support the program, it means the world to me, especially this year, with the changes in our administrative and our membership-based program. Um, It really means a lot that people have noticed that we're here and that we do do good work. And and I don't think of it as just for me because I am backed by – the Harness Horse Breeders Board of Directors, and obviously the membership. So it's really an award for all of us.
1: All right. Well, Betty, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Congratulations on your award. And uh, we certainly look forward to seeing you up there giving that speech. And listen, if you can give Mike Carter any pointers, uh, Nick, because he's been struggling <laughs> with his speech writing over the past month, trying to. He, he wants to start it out with a joke. And, uh, you know, I think that's right. But Mike Carter is not necessarily the greatest joke teller in the world. So if nobody laughs in the room, can you kind of go up there and help him out a little bit?
5: I'm lucky I can string two sentences together, so I don't think I'm the person to be asking.
1: <laughs> Betty, thank you so much. Congratulations on your award once again.
5: Thank you very much. Have a good day.
1: All right, that was Betty Holt, the executive director of the Harness Horse Breeders of New York State. Mike, you've uh, we, you know, you talked a little bit to Betty about it. You were up in those parts for a couple of years at Buffalo Raceway, so, you know, you uh, mm-hmm. you're kind of familiar with what. You know, she has to deal with in terms of, uh, you know, keeping a lot of this stuff together and now adding kind of like a an aftercare uh, initiative to, you know, their initiatives up there, I think is a very, very good thing. But uh, she certainly does a lot of work. She's got a full plate.
3: Yeah, she does. And during the Sire Stakes circuit, uh, you know, she comes to just about every racetrack. She helps put the blankets on the horses, helps give the awards out. Mike, she does a fantastic job out in New York. And uh, you know, that, that program uh, has kind of had to sustain itself over the past few years. Obviously, uh VLT slots have helped, but they've uh they've had some uh tough experiences with expanded gaming coming to other casinos uh around certain racetracks. And there and there's really not been a whole lot they could do other than kind of just sit back and watch. But they've got some pretty dominant sires out there, uh, including like Rock and Roll Heaven and
1: things of that sort. So it's uh, it's still good. Nice to see that some of the big names are still coming out of New York. All right, still so a lot left on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bed America. Our good friend Bruce Strongton, the owner of Emerald Highland Farm, will be joining us in just a couple of minutes. Plus. We're also going to have Gina Maybe, the Acting Executive Vice President of the Cloverleaf Standard Bread Owners Association. Rosecroft just got started. She's going to tell us about some of the things that are happening at Rosecroft and, of course, Ocean Downs a little bit later on in the summertime. But, Mike, first, we want to remind everybody that that coming up a little bit later on today, it is going to be our, good grief, what is this now, our fifth edition of the Post-Times newsletter? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding Post-Times. me already?
3: Yep, fifth edition of Post Times uh Post Times newsletter and uh we got a n we've got a great uh a great story coming. Uh a couple of stories actually, but uh, some great stories coming. And I'll tell you this has really turned into kind of a fun little thing for us. Uh you know, we've had some really good stories, people really wanting to talk, and I'll tell you for just the two of us, it uh, I think it turns out pretty good. Obviously we've got some help from Rich Matey and Garnett Barnesdale and uh Jess Gotten wrote a very good story as well. But uh, I'll tell you what, Mike, it's, it's definitely been some fun, and uh, we're glad that everybody's reading it. Uh, we've gotten a lot of, uh, lot of great feedback, uh, so to speak, on it so far, and uh, we're very happy to hear that.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, it's good stuff. It's it's usually out around five or six o'clock, maybe a little later, maybe a little earlier, depending on situations and circumstances. But to make sure you check it out. It's going to be available uh, each and every week on our website, post time with Mike and Mike.com, and it's released every Thursday evening. And Mike, actually, I'm going to tip it a little bit because you wrote an outstanding article and you did a lot of work, and we've gotten a lot of feedback. Um, from the actual participants in this article, and I'm just going to tip. You don't mind if I tip it, do you? No, not at all. Okay, we've got a great story on track photographers across the country, and I'm going to tell you what these people take, and and especially over the last couple of years you see people like Chris Gooden and Ryan Thompson and Nicole uh, Thomas and uh, just a lot of people uh, the leases at the Meadowlands and the list goes on and on of fantastic photographers that are taking their game to the next level that are utilizing social media and utilizing the technologies to really put and paint harness racing in a different and great light so we got behind the scenes of uh, of a lot of these people and uh, you know it's it's a great article so once again make sure you check them out it's the Post Times newsletter uh, coming up, uh, going to be released tonight at about five o'clock at Post Time with Mike and Mike dot com. It's Bruce Strongden When we come back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by but America. 12 championship races. The captain, not to be denied. One spectacular night. And Father Patrick going to coast home champion here. Breeders' Crown 2018, coming to the downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono. Purching
0: up the rail, modern legend there. Foiled again, dead game. Clear vision right on the outside. Pit Rock on the inside. Foiled finish. Foiled again, and pit Rock together.
3: Five five. You're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Better America. Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich. and I'll tell you, it is not often I get to look at the uh, the switchboard screen and see a phone number with an area code I recognize. Uh, Bruce Trogdon joining us from Mount Vernon, Ohio. Bruce, how are you?
0: Very good. How-
3: not too bad. Well, Bruce, uh, talk about a heck of a year uh, that you had uh, from an owning owners uh, standpoint uh, with Fear the Dragon and Blazing Britches. But uh, since this is the first time you're on the show, we like to talk to uh, uh, the, our guest and find out, you know, how they got into the sport, how they got interested in harness racing. So, uh, you're up. How did you uh, how did you get into the sport, and uh, did you grow up around it?
0: Well, actually, I grew up on the as a, as a fan. I my dad was a small town grocer and uh he'd take one day a week off and go bet on the horses and that was basically work worked seven days a week so that was the only chance i'd ever have to see him so i when i was about oh, eight ten years old i started going up with him once a week and so you know, he had to go over to the bar and start smoking and look at his program and drink a beer and bet on the horses and have his day off and i'd just sort of mill around and look at the horses and i just got it just fascinated me i got really interested in it yeah you know, as soon as i was old enough to drive a car i started all my dates when i was in high school were at northfield park (laughs) i used to just (laughs) go there about every night and i bet you know i bet on the bet on the races and i just you know that's why i started out from that side teen i went off to college i had been working part-time and had three thousand dollars saved up and naturally i didn't tell my parents i just went out and claimed a horse (laughs) and i got a three thousand claimer and of course he won his first race and so i was hooked from there his name was notorious tip and uh, that's how that's what got me into it few years after that i started thinking about maybe boy it'd be fun to breed horses and learn all that and so i in my early 20s i bought a little 30 acre place and uh just started teaching myself how to feed them and do all those things and then over the years it became a 260 acre farm and i do you know the following and the breeding and all that and so it's just something, something that's evolved over 40 years and now i'm more on the the, the breathing side is the part i enjoy
3: the most bruce it's funny you say that uh most of your first dates happen at northfield park because uh one of the first times uh i had uh, or i had just met my fiance and she started coming to northfield park now i can't get her away from the place so so well, maybe uh well, maybe maybe it's a two for one thing
0: well i have to i have to be honest I, that's not my situation my my wife, she became my wife because she lasted longer than the other dates. Uh, she she <laughs> she made it about six months before before Cosmo magazine and everything. Before she started bringing bringing magazines with her, yeah, she she tried to pay attention for a while. So, <laughs>
1: so she uh, Well, you before. know, what, I Bruce, I gotta tell you, that's. Uh, that's about my wife she got interested a little bit in racing and she tried to do a lot of different things i mean she tried to hang with it the best that she could and uh, after a while it just started you know getting the cell phones and candy Crush and everything while i'm sitting there betting the horses so they are the true unsung heroes believe me uh (laughs) behind each and every one of us but uh,
0: my wife sabrina had a lot more fun this year It's, uh, it's hard not to have fun when you're Winning the North America Cup and the Adios and things like that. So oh, absolutely. She, she saw the fun side this year, and she did a couple of years ago, too. We had a great horse with the colors of virgin that was also a horse of the year. And uh, so, yeah, she's seen the good side of it now. So that that kind of helped me. It bought me a few more years of perseverance, I think.
1: <laughs> well, there you go. No question. Now, Bruce, you mentioned that you kind of started off as a breeder. And now over the past couple of years, you kind of shifted into uh, horse owner mode a little bit more uh, racing your own horses. What uh, What made you come to that decision?
0: Well, you know, I started out, you know, as a racehorse guy, but just, you know, keep claimers and that type of thing. And we've had yearlings over the years, one or two, like most people. Um, but, you know, at first, it was just such a challenge for me that I was learning how to do everything for the first time, learning how to, you know, break horses, learning how to just do all the things that come with the horse farm. And When I first uh, first started selling my first crop uh, commercially, I, for about five or six years, I was selling down at the Fasig Tipton Civilian in, in Lexington, and very first, I had six yearlings, the first one, I think I had three of them, sold for 100000 or more, and that was really exciting, you know, and then to prove, plus at that point, a young guy, learned and taught myself all that, it was just really a challenge, and fulfilled me to be sure that, hey, I can do this, just like, that. I can do this as well, there, and the next guy, you know, and so that was uh, the challenge, and then, um, you know, I just think over the years, I had sold it. Atteralls in Lexington, and we sold at Harrisburg for about five years, and basically just kind of I don't know bored with it's the right answer, but you know as the years went by, um, I we've a lot of the horses we sold we've had a real good track record of them racing well, and I just started to uh, give a couple of these more a couple more of them, and basically when color a virgin, I've always kept a few fillies, and sold all my colts, and basically. We, Made enough money with Caller's Virgin, and then got me a little more game to go on and do some more. And so, the year of uh, Blazing Breeches and um, Fear the Dragon was the first year I kept some colts and gave them to Brian Brown. And of course, you might know I got lucky, and the very one of the very first ones was Fear the Dragon. Um, but uh, yeah, so I we just got to where over the time I have always experimented with how to raise horses and we do things we've developed our own system over the years we we're very natural we raise them in herds Um, I my whole thing is the horses shouldn't be in stalls I'm not into what I call the my pretty pony thing I let my horses run around constantly and we have a very hilly farm They get a lot of exercise you know when you do that you get scratches and things like that on them but when we started focusing on Stop worrying about what the market thinks and other people think. Just do what I think is best for the horse as as an animal and uh, look at it that way. And, you know, when I started doing things that way, we started winning. (laughs) So it's a little different story than the normal. But we uh, we, we try to breed racehorses, and we're not worried about what the market thinks.
3: Now Bruce, obviously, uh, Fear the Dragon uh, was no slouch at two. He raced extremely well, but boy, did he really mature uh, into a very nice uh, three-year-old and uh, had a very successful season. Talk to us a little bit about that kind of transition from two to three and uh, what you saw in him.
0: Well, I'm, I'll argue with you on that one because, of course, I'm always a <laughs> favorite. I mean, I <laughs> but I... A lot of times I was asked that during the season and I still maintain fear of the dragon. If you look back at the tapes, he was phenomenal two year old and he always had some health issues here and there, but actually that one, he got, he got hurt in the eye in a turnout paddock at the Delaware fairgrounds. And that actually screwed up his season and we quit with him early, but you know, up to that point, this was a hell of a horse. I mean, he went, I think one of his first starts, he won, uh, you know, like fifty and fifty and two over the meadows. You know, <laughs> as a two-year-old, he's a hell of a horse. The two-year-old too, and then basically, as a three-year-old, we I staked him to the North American Cup and everything because I had that. I still was confident that he could he could beat those horses, and he did. So, yeah, no, he was just a nice horse from the time he was born. Uh, I just I liked the way he looked when just he just had an attitude to him and uh, just just always a sharp sharp horse.
1: Bruce Drogdon joining us. Bruce uh, owns Emerald Highland Farms. Bruce, let's talk a little bit about Adios Day. What an Adios Day it was, obviously with Fear the Dragon, but uh, also, as you said, Blazing Britches and What's Troubling in the Iraqi, also winners of Grand Circuit races on that particular card. And, of course, you know, hearing the voice, Roger Houston, call your horses coming down the stretch. I don't think there's any better feeling in the world, especially if you win the race. Talk about that day and talk about, uh, now that you've had a chance to reflect on that, talk about how special of a day that was for you.
0: Well, it was just a unique day. I mean, uh, with the North America Cup, of course, big race, and there was lots of big races. And But the, the adios meant a lot to us. We talked about my wife when we were just kids and going to the racetrack and we used to drive to the meadows it's about it was about three hours um from where we lived and we would drive there a lot of times on weekends and i would just enjoy i enjoyed the meadows i enjoyed i love listening to roger houston i've always thought he was the great announcer and um so we used to every year we would go to the the adios spend the whole week there do the adios sale that Dell miller used to have you know it was uh it was just sort of a tradition for us and um I think our second or third trip over there um we ended up I we got engaged at the at, at during Adios week uh many years ago and so to actually then have a horse that we knew could possibly win the Adios that was that race was just sort of circled on my calendar and one of the reasons we didn't stick to the to the Meadowlands pace um because I wanted to make sure I had a horse for for the adios, and then it just went like a dream. You know, everything went right. We also knew I had another tremendous horse, Blazing Bridges, which most of the world didn't realize yet. And I remember telling several people, "You think this horse is good?" And they were talking about Dragon. I said, "You won't believe this, but I've got a better one. I've got one that's that's unbelievable that you haven't even heard of yet." And I said, "I'm going. We're going to show her off. Uh, you know, when we when we head over there to the adios." And uh, so it's just like, you know one of those few days where we we kind of called our shot we said we're going to the adios and we took three horses over there and won all three of them and it was just uh, one of those days that you're living right i guess
1: all right well bruce you'll be heading down to florida of course to uh collect some hardware along with uh, my man mike carter mike's been working on his speech of course and uh, uh, we just talked to betty holt but it has to mean a lot to you to to, to win a usual award certainly huh
0: Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, I never even considered ever being owner of the year. I just was uh, never on my, <laughs> never even on on the horizon, and I never thought about that. Uh, we, we were excited to win horse of the year with color diversion a couple of years ago, and that was a tremendous thing that I never thought I'd do, but this year to have a couple, I, the only, you know, I've got blazing britches as the horse of the year, and I was owner of the year. Bittersweet because I still believe that Fear the dragons, horse of the year, but then of course I'm prejudiced. <laughs> so, uh, but I mean it was just just a great year. It's a great year, so we we're yeah, definitely looking forward to it. My my wife coming down with me. We're going to make a week vacation out of it and have a good time.
1: All right, well Bruce, we certainly appreciate you joining us, and that's what's great about the sport of harness racing is because uh, you know every once in a while, uh, in a lot of situations, you know good people do do great things and it's good to see good people uh, get recognized and bruce you're one of those guys my friend we appreciate you joining us and the uh, best of luck to you in 2018 and uh, mike carter will be seeing you down in florida in a few days
0: well thanks for inviting me on your show i enjoyed listening to the whole thing thank you
1: all right that was bruce trogdon one of the good guys of the sport mike carter i don't think anybody argue with that not one bit,
3: uh, you know, he was a very good interview. And I'll tell you what, it's kind of cool to kind of hear the background of some of these guys. You know, owners is a group of people who we're trying to reach out to, we're trying to, you know, kind of get them more on the show. And it is so cool to hear how they got into the uh, business of harness racing, how they've got into the sport. And it's funny because Bruce's story matches mine almost to a T, Mike, as far as how I got into it. My dad, you know, he brought me to the Meadowlands once a week with my grandfather. And, you know, it's just really, really cool to kind of see, uh, you know, how kind of some of our stories uh, mix in with each other. Do we have breaking news? Well, i i wouldn't call it uh, i wouldn't call it breaking, but it's definitely some good news. <laughs> that, that's for that's for sure. So, all right, uh
1: no, we'll go without. We'll go without the bumper. Go ahead, Mike.
3: All right. So uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, we 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 announced we were going to do some work with uh, our good friends at New Vocations, and um, Jess Gotten uh, did the first story on JJ uh, J. Hall. JJ uh, J. Hall was a Ohio bred um, that uh, had you know, been racing, uh, very well for the most part at Ohio. And, uh, when he was 14, he wound up at new vocations. Well, Winnie Morgan Nemeth just sent us an email, uh, a little bit ago and just let us know that a, um, uh, that someone from North Carolina has adopted JJ Hall, uh, this week. And, um, it's, uh, he's going to be used, uh, for casual driving, um new vocations uh let her know what a nice horse he was and uh how famous he was in the state of ohio but how she found the horse mike was that this woman googled him and read our story wow and uh when he, when he wanted to uh share that with us and uh normally we don't share our emails uh <laughs> with everybody but um winnie's uh winnie's statement said connecting adopters with their horses past racing highlights were huge for were huge for this person so thank you so much for your help and uh the next uh the next horse we're gonna feature is coming up in the next couple of days uh we actually just got the uh a little bit of a bio on the next horse but J.J. hall adopted and mike in part uh you know we we were able to help uh, help do a little bit of good and get a horse adopted because of what we're doing as a 2018 give back campaign to new vocations for $50, you can buy a blanket. Um, you know, even if you only got 10 bucks to spare, donate to this fantastic organization. They do a
1: fantastic job and help to get a lot, a lot, a lot of horses adopted. All right. When we come back, it's the executive director uh, – or excuse me, the, the acting executive vice president of the Cloverleaf Standard Bread Owners Association, Gina Mayby. On Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by BetAmerica. Attention all breeding funds. Did you know Pacing for the Cure has a stud fee for scooter program? Your stud fee donations will help those living with MS with severe mobility limitations obtain a scooter and be able to continue to enjoy their love of harness racing. Contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org if you'd like to make a donation. Mike? In case you haven't noticed, Mr. Bill G. has begun pacing for the cure for
3: multiple sclerosis. Join in on the fun and weekly contest on Facebook to guess where he will place in each race. Like and share our page. Great prizes available for the lucky winners. Better yet, come out to the racetrack and watch him race live. Let's start a Mr. Bill G. fan club and start blogging on the journey page of the pacingforthecure.org website.
1: Once again, that's pacingforthecure.org. We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, still plenty left to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike. Right now, we're joined by the Acting Executive Vice President of the Global Leaf Standard Bread Owners Association, and her name is Gina Mabey. Gina, how are
6: you? I'm good. And yourself?
1: Fantastic. Welcome to the program. Gina, first, uh, I know we're going to talk a little bit about the Rosecroft. The meat just got started. Uh, Day two of the meat already in the books. But first of all, uh, let's talk a little bit about some serious business. And it's right on the uh, front page of the uh, Standard Bread Owners Association, the uh, Cloverleaf website. And this is something that uh, has kind of attacked harness racing at a few different levels over the past month, and that is the outbreak of the EHV-1 equine virus. There's some heightened security procedures that Rosecroft and you guys are taking. Can you tell us a little bit about that before we start?
6: For me, this has just been um, overwhelming. Um, I have, on an average night, I have 108 horses racing at Rosecroft. And the number of horses that we might get from Pennsylvania or Ohio, it's limited. You know, we're maybe five to ten. Um, so I have to look out for those 90 other horses. And so between the management at the racetrack and Cloverleaf, we um, I researched the policies at all the other tracks, and Miami Valley's seemed comprehensive because of everything they were going through. So we just kind of mimicked what they had. Um, now that it's all seems to be winding down from what I can see, we've loosened it a little bit. And um, we've talked to our um, state vet from um, the, our Department of Agriculture here in Maryland. And they've you know, helped us kind of lead us to where we need to be on, on our policy. And um, until all the quarantines and everything gets back up in Ohio and Meadows, we're um, not going to take any horse that um, had started after, I think it's January 10th. And then if you didn't race there, but you have various connections, you have to um, provide a Coggins after um, that was done after February 1st and a health certificate a new health certificate within 48 hours of
3: yeah, Gina, we've uh, uh, being from Ohio, uh, we've been kind of on the, on the guard. And so this is a very, very important, uh, important topic. And it, it's nice to see, you know, all these racetracks kind of bond, not necessarily banding together, with the same set of rules, but kind of banding together to kind of fight, uh, fight spreading uh, this, this nasty uh, disease around. Well, Gina, um, we, 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 believe we've talked to you on the uh show before but uh talk to us a little bit about what's going on at uh at Rosecroft Raceway uh this year. Uh you guys have some great racing and I work in our mutuals department at uh, Northfield Park. I see that uh you guys were handling some very good money last night. Uh so it's nice to see that uh people are starting to recognize the product in uh Maryland.
6: Yes, I mean we, you know, our race secretary Pete Hanley, he um he does his best to put together very competitive races, and they're always eight or nine horse fields. So, um, and I've got a great group of drivers, and they are, they're young, they're aggressive, and you you see them battling almost every race. It, I mean, it makes for it very exciting racing.
1: And, you know, Gene, and that's the thing. I mean, the racing there is so good, and of course, I've had a chance to fill in for Pete Meadows on so many occasions, and obviously, I've had a chance to watch Rosecroft as a fan, and the racing is unbelievably competitive. I mean, it's nothing. It's commonplace to see horses uh, three and four wide, uh, even five wide in some instances as they approach the three-quarter pole, three pole. A lot of movement. The racing is very competitive, uh, and as a matter of fact, in my opinion, I think the problem product is much too good for uh, what they wager on it. It seems seem like that despite is much as competitive as the racing is, it seems like there's certainly a lot of room of improvement for the wagering dollars. And we know that, that, uh, and we've talked about it before, you've got a lot of different ideas. Tell us about some of those ideas uh, that we can implore to try to uh, get the, get the, uh, get the handle up a little bit.
6: Um, well, I mean, right now, most of our ideas are, um, you know, kind of in-house, so I don't know, you know, we can get our handle up in-house, that would be great as well. Um, one of the things that I'm trying to work on, and we'll see if it actually catches on, is Sunday night, we have an early post time of 440. And um, after the races, were done about nine o'clock, I guess. Um, I'm trying to get together, and I've got a few drivers that have already agreed, and I've had a trainer come up to me, and he wants to do it too, is just to go up into the grandstand or the clubhouse and just interact with the betters and the fans. We need, I think one of the things that we miss a lot of times in our marketing is we don't humanize our horsemen. Um, You know, you see them on the track and when they come up to the clubhouse or the grandstand, you don't necessarily know who they are because they're not in their colors. You know, we recognize them so much by their colors that when they're up there, they're just, you don't recognize them. So I'm hoping to be able to get them all to interact and hopefully that'll work out well. Now,
3: Gina, what, what, uh, what is coming up uh, sort of this year at Rosecroft Raceway? I know you guys have really built up uh, the program there, and obviously the um, the stakes races uh, towards the end of the season have been uh, pretty big. And the breeding in Maryland, uh, the breeding game, especially with Winback being down there, uh, kind of has grown over the past few years. Uh, where do you see kind of the Maryland uh, circuit going uh, this year and beyond? Um
6: I think this year we'll have a good group of two-year-olds. Um, we start our stakes programs with our four and five-year-old program, and that starts um, May sixth. Um, for pay- I think it's Pacers, or it's either Pacers or Trotters, and it comes back with the other the other date on um, May 9th. And then after that, we go right into our three-year-old sire um, stakes program. And then I think they take maybe a month off. And then they start mid, they start back up mid to late June at Ocean Downs, and then we'll start our um, two-year-olds. And then when we come back in the fall at Rosecross, we'll pick up with the two-year-olds again.
1: Alyssa we certainly appreciate you joining us one final question before we let you go obviously uh, in the not too distant past there was an ownership ownership change at Rosecroft was owned by penn gaming now owned by the stronic group and uh, the Maryland jockey Club obviously we saw instant improvements I mean we saw the uh, the, the big beautiful tote board that thing is uh, that thing is bright boy let me tell you it's a uh, it's certainly an eye grabber uh, we saw some renovations take place down on the first floor how is the transition from the horseman's association point of view as far as to working with these new owners how, how has that gone i
6: i think it's going well um you know the, the great thing is we have a great management staff there at rose cross um lisa white who is our director of operations um she's been there for forever basically and you know she makes sure that we there is no real transition for us it's it's smooth it's like nothing has changed per se from a working relationship between um, Rosecroft and the horsemen.
1: Very good. Well, Gina, Lissa, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Best of luck to you. We'll be certainly keeping an eye on uh, Maryland Racing, Rosecroft, and of course, Ocean Downs coming up in the summer. Yep. All right. Thanks, Gina. Thank you. All right, that was Gina, maybe the acting executive vice president of the Cloverleaf Bread Owners Association. Mike, I'll tell you, we have we've watched both of us have watched the racing at Rosecroft and Ocean, and 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 more particularly uh, Rosecroft because Rosecroft's a bigger track. It's it's a fantastic oval. I mean, you hear rave reviews all the time from the horsemen that race over it about how good the track is and it's an action track in the sense that there's a lot of movement i mean your horse is always in it you know it does hey you could be sitting fourth trapped on the pylons at the half and then in just a couple of steps it could be a completely different situation for you that is how much movement there is at this racetrack it's a very competitive racetrack and why why is the handle not better here? I, I That's a, a complete mystery why the handle is not better at Rosecroft than, than than what it is. You know, it's it's interesting that you
3: asked that question because uh, I was watching it last night and seeing them do like 25 or 30 a race. I mean, that's huge uh, for them uh, right now. And, and I think part of what happened, Mike, was when they uh, disappeared for a few years. And then kind of came back on the scene once you – it's hard to get back in once you've lost uh, kind of your muster, so to speak. And I think uh, that may have played a little bit of a part into it. And, uh, you know, no fault to anybody, obviously. But I I think when when you're off the radar for, you know, a couple of years like they were – it's uh it's tough to kind of, you know, get that product back out there, but they are doing one hell of a job getting that product out there. The Stronic group and those guys are doing a fantastic job, and I'll tell you what, they may be a uh, reckoning ball over the next few years.
1: Well, that's the thing. And gamblers, I mean, we know what we look for, and I think I could safely speak for most gamblers when when you're trying and you're mapping out your plan of action you're always looking for value you're looking for prices you're looking to try to beat the chalk and you're looking for horses that have a chance to pay a little bit and you know when you look at a place like Rosecroft and I don't really you know and, and I don't know the exact win percentage of, of the favorites there but I would have to imagine that it's not all that high in comparison to a lot of harness tracks would you agree
3: I would have to say so. Um, I'll, I'll see if I can find a quick stat on it, but yeah, it can't be that that high, if you ask me. I mean, they, they have some decent prices there, and I'll tell you what. Like one thing about it is, you can um, you know you can make wagers there and really kind of make a little bit of money, especially in the trifecta and superfecta pools. I mean, it's unbelievable
1: how um, you know how that all kind of plays out. I've seen AB exact as there pay $70. I've I've seen nine to five and seven to two or nine to five and three to one come in AB in some of the more wide open races and the exact to pay $60, $70. The tries come back two or $300. Um, you know, one of the biggest misnomers I, I believe is that, there are a lot of the gambling experts out there say you can't make money in small pools. That is hogwash. That is complete. I agree with that. Completely. (laughs) There,
3: there is no listen. Have you ever, apparently those people have never bet at ocean downs because ocean downs, they get a lot of good on track, uh, handle Mike. And the one thing about ocean downs is, and, and you know, you talk about your smart money versus people who are just betting with their hearts you know eventually you're going to hit something you know with people who you know may not know a whole lot about you know gambling or whatever you can get an incredible amount of value in those exotic pools and uh you know you don't
1: have to bet a whole lot well that's the thing and that's where i think you kind of fall uh, because you can't really bet a whole lot. That's the thing. If you're if you're a guy that likes to play just a couple of bucks a race and is looking to maximize that value, actually small pulls can tremendously work in your favor. Tremendous. Work in your favor, but if you're a guy that has to play the you know the five ten fifteen dollar exact is uh, you know the the five dollar tries or whatever then then it could work against you but if you're if you're watching your budget i mean if you've only got forty fifty sixty bucks to the fire you know and and you you're kind of rashing it out between race to race, then I think small pools can certainly Work in your favor, well, Mike Carter. I, I'm gonna let you work on that for. We're gonna give you. We're gonna take a quick time out and see if Mike Carter could uh, get the get the favorite win percentage at Rosecroft. And when we come back, <laughs> we'll wrap this thing up. You got it yet? Or you? you no, uh, I'm still. I'm still trying to hunt for it on their website. Uh, I'm still trying to look for it. I'm with Mike and Mike, presented by BetAmerica. Twelve championship races. The captain,
2: not to be denied. One spectacular night. And Father Patrick going a
1: Ground 2018, coming to the downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono. Pitching up
0: the rail, modern, legendary, foiled again, dead game, clear vision, laid on the outside, Pit Rock on the inside, foiled, finish. foiled again, and Pet Rock together, Run 49
3: 2 Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bread? Owning a racehorse is a once in a lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877 800 8782, extension 5555.
1: New
4: Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program retrain rehab rehome New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program Celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed.
1: Learn more at newvocations.org. All right, we're back on Post-Tab with Mike and Mike. And Mike, the country's best harness racing is coming back very, very soon. It's racing revolutionized at Hoosier Park. Racing and casino live harness racing returns on Friday, March 30th. Tuesdays through Saturdays, 6:30 Eastern is the post time. Right now, if you go to their website, HoosierPark.com, and click the racing link, you can check out the Red Association's new commercial. It's a good one, and that the, the live harness racing is right around the corner. Mike will be at Hoosier Park uh, a couple of times this year, and uh, we can't wait. They're just great, great hey, people. Hey, hey, hey!
3: You can't tell yes, them yet. that. You can't tell uh, them
1: that yet. Ah, uh, <laughs> I'm just I'm kidding. kidding. I'm, I'm just kidding. Cat, put the cat out of the bag a little bit, that, but we're not going to say no more. But nonetheless, <laughs> Hoosier Park race is coming up on March 30th. Mike, I'll tell you what. That's always a good sign because it's a sign of spring. It's a sign of yes. warm weather. And the oh, race I cannot wait. I
3: cannot wait for Hoosier Park to open, Mike. It's uh, one of the best uh, tracks around the country, and
1: I'll tell you what, it is a blast to go to. If you've never been, you got to, got to, got to go. That's for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to also give uh, a shout out to our good friends at Midwest Harness Report. They sponsor our Inside Handicapping segment. Really didn't have an Inside Handicapping segment this week, but we did talk a little bit about value in Rosecroft. There will be an Inside Handicapping article in our Post-Times newsletter uh, coming up a little bit later on today. Keep an eye on our website and our social media sites for the release of that sometime around 5 o'clock or so. And the Inside Handicapping segment is Always brought to you by our fine friends at Midwest Harness Report. Look them up online, midwestharnessreport.com. I think the subscription, Mike, for that great magazine is only $30 for a year and 50 for two years. That is an amazing deal, considering the content and the great articles that you get. It's midwestharnessreport.com. Make sure you check them out. Our good friend, Tim Conkle, he's an Ush Award winner as well, Mike. You're going to see him down in Florida coming up on Friday. Mr. Carter, no, he's still looking up. I'll tell you, Mike is still looking up that chalk win percentage at uh, at at Rosecroft. So hopefully, uh, Mike could find that. Have you found that yet, Mike?
3: Actually, yeah, I just got off the uh, Pete Medhurst. Uh, just I was calling him during the
1: commercial break to try to figure out the uh, win percentage, and he actually
3: gave it to me for the fall meet. The yes. favorite win percentage was mm-hmm. thirty two point four two percent. That's that's not very high. People are going to say, oh, that's that's huge. It's not very high at all, considering uh, the going favorite uh, average is about
1: forty-one or forty-two percent. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. So, all you value hunters out there, once again, we implore you to give uh, Rosecroft Raceway a look because there's certainly some value to be had. And it sounds like the pool, It sounds like they're off to a good start, handle wise, Mike. Uh, so, you know, maybe people aren't starting to uh, take notice. But uh, anyway, uh, once again, final reminder the post times newsletter coming out tonight at five o'clock. Make sure you check it out on post time with Mike and Mike.com and uh, anything else, Mr. Carter, before we close this thing out. Nope. Other than the fact that uh, I'm getting ready to go take a nap and uh, it's almost time
3: to leave. Uh, We got, we had about 28 hours to go and uh, we'll be in sunny Florida. Make sure you check out the Dan patch awards coming up this Sunday. Uh, I believe the, Uh, banquet. uh, We'll stream Facebook Live beginning at 7 o'clock. For everybody here with Post Time with Mike and Mike and Mike Bozich and I, we'll see you next week here on the show. Post Time is 10.30. Good night, everybody.
2: You can't stay here I know